Where did Moshe go? Why did he disappear? How come his name is not mentioned at all in Parashat Tetzaveh? Because apparently when Moshe said, erase me from your book if you won't forgive the people for the golden calf, that had to be fulfilled in some measure. So then why in this parasha is it the one that's missing Moshe's name? Especially when so much of the parasha centers on Moshe. It's a lesson in what it means to be a Jewish leader. Each of us is a Jewish leader to some extent. Famously says about our parasha Tetzaveh, This is the only parasha from when Moshe Rabbeinu is born. Without the name of Moshe, until of course Devarim, which is Moshe speaking. On the time of them is, why is this parasha without Moshe's name? Because Moshe said after the golden calf, If you're not willing to forgive the Jewish people, erase me from your book that you wrote. And we know that if a wise or righteous individual makes a curse even directed at themselves, and even if it's contingent on a particular set of circumstances, either way it has to be fulfilled to some or another extent. So where is Moshe's so-called threat, take me out of the Torah, fulfilled in some measure in our parasha where his name is not? We know that every single detail and every single factor of Torah, facet of Torah, is absolutely precise. So therefore we have to say, Why? Parashas Tetzave is the one that was selected. As in, That this is the parasha where Moshe's name will be quote-unquote erased. Now that, that Moshe said, is actually next week's parasha, was taken parashas Kisisa. Obafrat, which makes you think, as the Khair of Ultimate Matam given Sumerama's Zain or Dominion, surely would have made sense to allude to this idea of Moshe's name not being in the Torah, as Armias Moshe's Mekuim Givor and Afil Al Tanai, that Moshe's <coughs> suggestion or even curse was fulfilled, even though it was contingent on the forgiveness, which happened, would have made much more sense to be an Aina from the Sedosos Kumen Noch of a Mevashin Veganamiris Mechenino. Logic says that should have happened in one of the parishes after Parishes Kisisa when we're already aware of the fact that Moshe made this statement. How come is the event in Parashat Tetzave before the Egel Hazav, before Moshe's negotiation and his comment? So we must therefore conclude that the theme of Moshe being missing from the parasha is particularly relevant to the content of this parasha. So in that case we have to understand what is in fact the link between the theme of Moshe being removed from the Torah and the theme of our parasha. What is our parasha about? It's the parasha that instructs about lighting the menorah. No obvious link there. It's also the place where we read about Asiyah's Big Day Kuhuna, the design of the Kohanim's clothing. No obvious link there. The introduction of Aaron and his sons into service. No connection there. And the fact that they're instructed to make the golden altar to bring Keturus on also seems to have no connection. So why is it this parasha that we emphasize Moshe's dedication to say, take me out of the Torah on behalf of the Jewish people. And then there's another thing that we have to understand. Yes, his name is not there, but sure, Moshe is present in this parasha. Surely the intention of not mentioning Moshe by name in this parasha is, it's not to say that Moshe is not at all part of the parasha. The message is that his name is not in the parasha. 
that the content of the parasha discusses Moshe multiple times. Not only multiple times, Nochmer, beyond that, the Aschola said at the beginning of the parasha, and more importantly, on Shema said the name of the parasha, which we know that the name of a parasha is supposed to encapsulate everything that the parasha is all about, which is in the second person, you, Moshe, should instruct the Jewish people. But that's talking about and relates to Moshe, describes Moshe. And so say, oh, the truth is when you use the word Ve'ata, it might even be more intimate, more personal than using a person's name. Ve'ata tetzava main kepirusha kriyaka, the kriyaka tells us that the Ve'ata in you, in this particular reference, is mimohus atzmuscha. It's saying that you should draw on the essence of your being. So surely that's a lot more profound than whether or not his actual name is mentioned in the parasha. Was melhus ve'atzus when I mention is tifer on hecher from the darge mention was is verbunden mit den shame. The essence of a person is far deeper, far more intimate, far closer to who the person is and what they're about than the name tag that they happen to carry. Because in Yonef von Hashem is b'chdei azat zweite zolim kenen rufen. The whole purpose of having a name is that it's useful for somebody else. That somebody else could reach out to you and get your attention and call your name. But the real essence and core of a person is Hecher und Tifer von is way beyond and far too deep for the next person to be able to engage and encounter. Therefore, the essence of a person must be far beyond the name that we ascribe to that person. Now, with that information, it's pretty clear as Adraba that it, this parasha seems to achieve exactly the opposite of what it's supposed to achieve. This removing or erasing Moshe from the parasha. So we're not saying the name Moshe, but instead we're referring to him as Ve'ato, you, instructed Jewish people about the menorah. That seems to highlight the greatness of Moshe and a dimension of Moshe that is far greater than what his name would represent. So if the objective over here is for Moshe to be absent, he's certainly not absent. He's very present. His, his essence is present. So to understand that, then if we want to really get a, an insight, we have to understand, well, what was Moshe actually saying? What was his point? Erase me from the book that you have written. Pirashashi, which Rashi says, is Mikol HaTayra Kula. Take my name out of the entire Torah. What's such, the, what's such a big deal about that? Take my name out of the Torah. So let's remember who Moshe is. In Yonifah, Moshe is Torah. Moshe's whole being is Torah. As Al Shmoi, like our Chazal tell us in the Gemara and in Midrashim, that the Torah is named after Moshe. Zichru Torahs Moshe Avdi. That's what the Pasuk says. As Moshe Nafshe Al The reason why the Torah is so deeply associated with Moshe is because he went out on a limb. He sacrificed on behalf of Torah. So now we can appreciate and understand that when Moshe says, erase me from the Torah, it's not some kind of a threat or some kind of a drama. What he's saying is, Moshe is intrinsically, inherently linked to Torah. It speaks to the core of his soul. To suggest that he should be removed from Torah is to rip away the essence of his being. Vs is ain't smith Torah, his being is one with Torah. So to sever that connection is something incredibly profound. So how come Moshe dug his heels in and said that he's willing to take this radical step? 
Because Moshe wanted to achieve forgiveness and atonement for those who participated in a terrible Avera, the worst in our history, the Egel Azov. It's an incredibly serious The Pasuk tells us that every sin until the end of time and the consequences of every Avera until the end of time will always link back to and be fueled by the Chet Eitzadas. Like the Pasuk says, when the Ebesha comes to take an accounting uh, reckoning and therefore consequences against us, I'll remember that Avera of the Egel Azov as well. So this is the worst of the worst, the lowest of the lowest. Tomua, that raises a big question. How is it logical? That Moshe should be willing to lay down the core of his being, which is not just the core of any ordinary person, but it's the core of his being which is one with Torah. That's the Ebishter's wisdom, the Ebishter's rotsen, and who's he giving that up for? For that segment of the population that fell into the sin of the Egel Azov. Which is, that includes the people who actually made the Egel, which was a small component. That those are people who transgressed the most cardinal sins of Judaism. In Gansan Torah, and thereby completely excised themselves from Torah. So Moshe, who's completely invested in Torah to the core of his being, is now willing to sacrifice that for people who discarded the Torah with apparently no no serious concern about it. So we have to understand what motivated Moshe to do this. And further, we have to understand what's it that taken from Bakoshas Moshe, and what exactly did Moshe intend with his words? If you're not willing to forgive them, erase me from your book, from your Torah, which Rashi says is Mikola Torah Kula from the entire Torah. What's the Kesher? What's the link? What Moshe is effectively saying is, if you do not forgive the Yidden for the sin of the Egel Azav, is Mecheni from Torah, erase me from Torah. What's the connection between their forgiveness and Moshe's bond with the Torah? So Rashi will suggest an answer. It's not going to satisfy us. Rashi is my Rashi says, Moshe wanted to, to, to clarify that there should be no point in history where people turn around and criticize me that I didn't put in enough effort on their behalf to ask for you know, mercy and forgiveness for them. It's a beautiful explanation, but it doesn't necessarily answer the question clearly. If you read the simple understanding of the words in the Pasuk, it implies Moshe's goal was to achieve atonement for the Yidden against the Chet Egel. There's nothing in the Pasuk that indicates that Moshe is trying to cover himself that people will not speak badly of me. That's not his intention. His intention is to help the Yidden. And oich ve'ikar, and more importantly, when I said sechvegan zinit oish from chasav shalom tisa chatoim chatog chatosim chatog gedola. Let's imagine what would have happened if chasav shalom Moshe had not succeeded and not achieved the forgiveness on their behalf. Then who's he worried about that's going to criticize him? Vosvarat visus mokim od ba Moshe rai mehem nevosmen vet zogan vegenem. Moshe, if he's unable to save the Jews, do you honestly think his biggest concern is going to be what will they say about me? Besides, the practical question is who's going to be they? The Ebishter was looking at that point to get rid of the Eden and start again from Moshe. So who's exactly going to speak badly about him? But much more importantly, in the face of the potential loss of so many Eden, Moshe would, do you honestly think, be concerned about his own reputation? 
So let's understand that Biribos, that explanation is, we have to understand who Moshe is, what Moshe represents. Moshe Aben is in Zach Mamesh Mit Kral Yisrael. Yes, Moshe, at the core of his being, is linked to Torah, but also the core of Moshe is the Jewish people. To the extent that you can never, in the most generic or in the most specific way, make any distinction between Moshe and the people. But Rashi, Rashi, like Rashi tells us in Parashas Chukas, Chukas Moshe, who Yisrael, Yisrael and Moshe. Moshe is the Jewish people, and the Jewish people are Moshe. They are inextricably linked. The first thing that happens because of that relationship is if the hidden commit something as severe as the Chet Egel, it automatically affects Moshe. Like the, the Chazal comment on the Pasuk that says Lech Raid after the story of the Egel Azov, David turns to Moshe and says, Go down. He's not just telling him how to get back to the camp, that you're on the mountain which is high and you go down to the people, but rather means Raid Migdu Loscha. You are now demoted from your greatness because of what's happening in your people's camp. Now you might ask, why would Moshe be affected? Moshe had not the remotest connection to what was going on when the people made the Egel Azov. He couldn't even be accused of having had the opportunity to protest and not having had protested, which is considered an Averia in itself. Because he was nowhere near them. He was on the mountain. They were on the ground. There was no way that he could have intervened. Kipsute, as is obvious, and besides that, consider what spiritual realm Moshe was in at the time of Matan Torah. It's completely in a, in a totally different reality to where the people are. He cannot come down into their space, cannot uh, intervene, and cannot protest. So logically, it doesn't seem to make sense that the Chet Egel would in some way affect Moshe. Why? So why raid Migdulasa? Why is Moshe demoted? Because they're serving at Egel Azov. The answer to that is nor. While Moshe is saying Zachmit Yisrael, it's because Moshe is not the leader, teacher, guide, redeemer of the Jewish people. He is one with those people. Over Mela, Gedulasa, Nitnono is given Ein Zachmit Gedulasa Yisrael, and therefore the greatness Moshe has is a direct result of his position and the greatness he brings to the Jewish people. So therefore, it's a natural, automatic demotion of Moshe. If the people go down, Moshe goes with them because he's one with them. And now here's the most important part. Yes, Moshe at the very core of his being is one with the Torah. But Moshe's intrinsic relationship with the Jewish people is even deeper than the core relationship that he has with Torah. And you see that reflected in the Torah itself. Look at the link, sorry, not the, the Torah itself, the Yidden themselves. Look at the link that the Jewish people have with Hashem. Yes, it's true that the Ebishter and Torah are absolutely one. But the Pirush Apnimi from Amir Chazal, as the deeper Siddhas explanation of what says in the Gemara Shabbos, that Anon Nafshi Kisavis Yehovis, that the Ebishter wrote his soul into the Torah and presented it to us, as the Ebishter Tzachalei Nafshi Arayin and Obgi Geben in Torah. That the Ebishter, so to speak, literally composed himself into the Torah and gave it to us. So that shows you that there's an incredible link between Hashem and Torah. Obviously, 
Und deswegen ist die Achtung von Idem mit Kutschabrich noch tiefer und hecher davon. But the link between the Eibester and Jidden is far more profound and far more, far more powerful than the link between Eibester and Torah. As we know, as we know the famous Medrash that says that two things are the purpose of the whole of creation, Torah and the Yidin. But the Yidin come first, and you can evidence that by seeing that the Torah addresses the Yidin, implying they're already there, they already exist at a deeper level than the Torah does. So in the same way as Hashem's relationship with the Jewish people goes beyond his relationship via Torah or his relationship with Torah, so in the same way, as a direct result, is by Nesi Ehadur, those chief tzaddikim that are the representatives and the leaders of the entire Jewish nation. Vas and Rashi, which again, going back to Rashi's explanation, is Nasi Hadur Hu Ke Cholador, that the Nasi Hadur is equivalent to the entire nation. The Nasi Adur, in that case, in our story, Moshe Rabbeinu, by extension, every Nasi in every generation, the relationship that they have with the Yidden of their generation is deeper than their core relationship with the Torah. And even beyond those who are the unique Nasi Hador, which is, of course, one person per generation, the truth is it applies to every Tzaddik, because Tzaddikim are all comparable to their Creator. Yes, of course, Tzadikim completely invest in the Torah that they learn. And even more specifically, the areas where they innovate and introduce concepts within Torah. As deep and personal as their relationship is with Torah, it is not as deep and personal as their relationship is with Felayin. And of course, their circle, those Yidin that they are personally responsible for, as the, as the halacha says, that you always prioritize those who are the poor, the recipients, those who need your input in your own city. Their children, their students, etc. To borrow the expression about Avram Avinu, the neshamas that he and Sarah made in Kharan. So what is clear, a tzaddik, specifically Anasi Hadar, and most specifically Moshe, their relationship with the Yidden is far deeper and far, much, far more of the core of their being than even their relationship with the Torah. Therefore, that's effectively what Moshe is petitioning the Ebesha. Take me out of this book. And it explains why Moshe was willing to surrender or sacrifice his very deep soul connection to the Torah on behalf of who? Jews who had turned their back, Jews who had disconnected. Because we understand that the union that Moshe has with the Jews is deeper than his union with the Torah. That creates two layers of impact. Number one, the first element is that Moshe is willing to sacrifice to a greater extent for the Jews than even for the Torah. So that means he'll even sacrifice his link to the Torah for the Yidin. So an example the Rebbe quotes a number of times in different contexts, we see with regards to Rebbe Yosef Kaira, as the Beis Yosef had gedav, that the Beis Yosef, because of certain things that he had done, deserved to have the opportunity to die for the Ebishter's sake. Because of circumstances in his life, he lost that opportunity and he did not die al Kiddush Hashem. 
Now think about this. Had the base Yosef actually died al He would not have completed the Shulchan Aruch that he had begun to write. That Shulchan Aruch is the guiding light and instruction to the entire Jewish people over many, many generations. What a treasure would have been lost. And yet, the fact that he was preserved and could write the Shulchan Aruch is considered some kind of negative consequence because he didn't have the opportunity to sacrifice his life. Because as great as Torah is, it is not yet at the level of being able to sanctify the Ebishter's name. In other words, the greatness of a connection that we have to Torah is not as great as the connection as we have to the fact that we're Jewish. And that we're willing to stand up for that and to be Jewish, to be one with Hashem. A similar thing is expressed over here with Moshe Rabbeinu, that greater than having this incredible connection with Torah, which is Torah's Moshe, it is the, the essence of who he is, is his connection to the Yidden. That's on the one hand. And it therefore he's willing to sacrifice for Yidden more than for Torah. And on the other hand, Beis, if this is where we're coming from, this, this intrinsic this link between the Nasi Hadur and the people which cannot be removed, so then it must apply to all Jews. And he's willing to sacrifice for all Jews. In regardless of where those Jews are holding in their spiritual state, even if they're at the point of making an eagle, Moshe will not shun or overlook them because his connection with them is at the essence no matter their behavior because that level of relationship between the Nasi Hadar and the Yid is beyond the Torah therefore it cannot be in any way damaged if the person has lost their connection to the Torah, is the famous Yisrael who that even if a person has done the most abhorrent things, that person is fundamentally, intrinsically, and non-negotiably a Jew. Now we understand the language that Moshe is using. If you can overlook their their avera, great. And if you cannot, then I cannot be in the Torah. Because if what they've done by making this Egel Azav is so severe that the Torah cannot offer any form of restitution, which effectively means like maybe the Ebeshter would be willing to forgive the Jewish people, but the Torah in context wouldn't allow for it, similar to the Medrash that says, the whole discussion about what would Torah say about the person who has sinned, versus the Ebeshter who says that there's a path of Tshuva. So if the Torah cannot accommodate restitution for the Jewish people, is Moshe's bakosh on tefir, the Moshe says, I cannot be in such a Torah, I cannot be in such a book. Then you can see clearly, without any shades or masks, the core essential bond between Moshe and the Yidden. And incidentally, by Moshe saying, if the Torah cannot accommodate a way to help the Yidden, I have no place in Torah, he is similarly showing that the Torah may have a limitation in terms of what could or could not be available to the Yidden, but the Ebishter won't have that limitation because the Ebishter's love and connection to the Jewish people goes even beyond what the Torah can teach or tell us. 
possible. It's a der is achdos. Because of that absolute oneness that exists, not only between the Yidden and Moshe, but in, in this context, even more importantly, between the, the Yidden and the Eibishter, that's why they can be forgiven. And once they are forgiven, they can reconnect and have a meaningful relationship once again with the Torah. So now with that information, understanding properly what's going on over here, what the nature of this Mechenina is and what it tells us about Moshe and the Yidin and about Hashem and the Yidin, now we can go back and explain why it's this parasha which is chosen as the parasha to miss Moshe's name. Now we can link Moshe's request to this week's parasha where his name is absent. This unique oneness between Moshe and the Yidin a oneness that is beyond what the Torah could ever teach or encapsulate which is all expressed in Moshe saying take me out of the Torah so that is all also expressed the same theme is expressed in which simply means instruct the Jewish people but there's another alternative explanation which is the the atzmius for Moshe, you, who you truly are in your essence, is mekasher umechaber. You link and connect. Tetzabe is lashon tzavsa bechibur. The word tetzabe means to create communion, to create connection. Aleidin tzamen in ein metzius. You are tetzabe es menayisol. You, Moshe, at the essence of your being, bring all of the Jewish people, despite the personal disparity, into a single union. Mitzadim adregas for Moshe was einim farbunah mitashem. Moshe's other roles or layers or levels, which can be described by names. And when we're talking about the names, we may even be talking about Yechidosh Benefesh, powerful and deep as it is. Because, because Yechidah is still a name attributed to the essence of the Neshama, which has no name. So as long as you're dealing with Moshe from the perspective of a particular role, a particular name, that's only going to give us access to the dimensions of godliness which can be expressed, can be defined, can be understood. Dimensions of godliness that are not beyond the Torah. I mean, the Torah is obviously infinite and incredible. And that's alluded to the fact that we say that the entire Torah is effectively manifestations of divine names, which basically means manifestations of divine energy that can be accessed. As long as you're working with that kind of energy, with that kind of divine revelation that has those boundaries and those constraints, you can't bring everybody together because you can just see their boundaries and their constraints, which is effectively what distinguishes them. But when you're dealing with Moshe at the essence and core of his being, the unnamed dimension of Moshe, and you're going to bring them together. Now you've touched Moshe's essence, which has no name and cannot be described. The essence of the Neshama, which cannot be described in any of the five names, Yechida included. The core dimension essence of Moshe links into the Atta, you, the Ebishter, the only being that we could ever say Atta, because Atta means that somebody is in front of you, and only the Ebishter is in front of you wherever you are. And therefore the word Atta, in reference to the Ebishter, indicates the Ebishter's omniscience, the Ebishter's omnipresence. 
So the atotetzabu, when you click into the core, the essence of Moshe, that allows you to click into the essence of the Ebeshter. Atzmusoi umahusi isborach vas beemes lamitoi estafkan orif atzma shayich zogan atelishen noichach meshem shamayim shogar befi koil. You can only apply the word ato to the Ebeshter's essence because if you're talking about a particular dimension of the Ebeshter, it may be accessible here, inaccessible there. But the Ebeshter's essence is everywhere, as we see even in the fact that people are constantly in conversation, always referring to the that means the is always present. That is what allows and facilitates this communion of the entire Jewish people. What brings every single Jew together, even those who are on the fringe, those who are involved in building an eagle, in Ein Metzias, they all come together in one single homogenous community that includes Aaron Akoy and all the way down to the person who's agitating for an eagle. Now that we understand that Ve'atatetzabe represents Moshe exposing the essence of his being, which allows the Jewish people to connect with the essence of their beings, which is in, inherently one, let's read the rest of the Pasuk. What's the Pasuk about? Bring pure olive oil and create or light these, these menorah lights that are going to consistently burn. When you think about the Pasuk, it seems a little misplaced. Aaron is the one who's going to light the menorah. So why is the instruction that the oil comes to Moshe? It sounds like it's just too many steps. Bring the oil to Moshe, Moshe will give it to Aaron, Aaron will light the menorah. Just give the oil straight to Aaron. The explanation is this. Aaron is the one who lights a menorah. To light a menorah, you have to have flammable liquid. You have to have a wick. It has to be a container that will keep the, wicked, the, the liquid together so it can actually burn. In other words, Aaron relates to people who are well suited to become illuminated. People who are ready to be illuminated with the light of Torah mitzvahs. People who are already dedicated to Hashem. But if the oil bypasses Moshe or goes past Moshe, it doesn't bypass, goes past Moshe on the way to Aaron, it becomes Moshe's oil. That's a different oil to Aaron's. Aaron's oil is an oil that is made for people who are susceptible, who are prone, who have the potential of connection. Moshe's oil will totally transform it. Because Moshe has the capacity and the power to bring every yid into unison. <clears throat> so then, then that menorah and the illumination that it represents is no longer constrained to people who have a predisposition to spirituality. It's now for every single Jew. That every single Jew should experience the, 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 the revelation, the experience of the essence of their neshamas. And that also helps us to understand as the encapsulation of everything that the parasha is about. And why Moshe's name is absent from this particular sedra. Because in the Mgansan Sipa Ven Kunasaranavonov, in their sedra, when you read in the Swiss parasha all about Aaron and his sons and how the Kohanim and they're going to be the sanctified people, the special representation of the Jews in the Mishkan doing the Avoid, etc. One theme that is mutgosh that's highlighted is that everything that Aaron and his sons will do has to all be set up by and directed by Moshe. 
You bring Aaron and his family close and you induct them into the service of being Kohanim. And you make the uniforms that Aaron and his, and his family are going to wear. The entire inauguration process of getting Aaron and his sons to become the Kehanim was all managed by and run by Moshe. In the parasha, as the parasha details in tremendous detail. Why? Why does everything have to go through Moshe? It's a Kohen world. Why is Moshe, who's not a Kohen, the person who is running that world? Because as we said, Aaron in his world lives in a world of holiness. He belongs in the Mishkan. He's related to the Avoid of the Mishkan, etc. So Aaron left to, so to speak, his own devices is going to impact those people who are in his world, in his orbit, in his spirituality. So those people have to have a connection. They have to somehow relate to the menorah, relate to the mishkan. Then Aaron could speak to them, could impact them, could elevate them, could illuminate them. But by Moshe being the facilitator of Aaron and his sons becoming Koyanim, is in that fundamentally changes the nature of Aaron's kahuna so that it can touch and impact and benefit every single Jew, even the one who has no connection. The so-called absolutely simple yin. And that's why you go straight from the inauguration of Aaron or the details of how to inaugurate Aaron. You go to what next? The Mizbech Akhtaris, which did not feature with all the others. Really, logic dictates that the instruction about the Mizbech Akhtaris belongs with all the other Klea Mikdash in, or the Mishkan, in Parashas Truma. And that's what we read about the other Mizbech. So why is this Mizbech kept for Parshas Tetzave? It should have been in Truma with everything else. Because the theme of this parasha, which is that Aaron's holiness and kahuna has to touch every single Jew, even the so-called simple or disconnected Yid. That theme is well expressed in what the Keteris is all about. As the famous saying in the Gemara, the Rambam brings it as well. Any communal fast that does not include the sinners of Israel as part of the fast, it's not considered a proper communal fast. Where do we learn that from? Because you have a schelvene ingredient which had a bad smell. And yet it is one of the critical ingredients of the katoris, which is supposed to have a beautiful aroma. That's the same theme as Moshe sacrificing everything to protect the Jew, who is the foul-smelling Jew, the fringe Jew, the disconnected Jew. 
So in the same way, the community cannot come together to have a fast, which is obviously to change our destiny, to atone for things that we've done wrong. If we're leaving out the fringe Jews, then it's not a fast. In the same way as the Keturus, which is supposed to represent this transformation of negative into positive, which is one of the key elements of the Keturus. Remember, it stops plagues. How do you do that? You've got to have the foul-smelling ingredient. Befrat, you could probably see this most clearly in the Keturus service on Yom Kippur. Like the end of the parasha tells us, What is Keturus? A key element of the atonement for the Jewish people, which is exactly the theme. It's such an important theme that Moshe is willing to sacrifice everything for this for this particular objective, to be able to help the Yidden. And of course, it's got to have a, an incredible lesson for us. Here's the powerful lesson. Look, Moshe Rabbeinu was willing to compromise and surrender something that was so fundamental to his being and to his life. His bond that he had with Torah. And he was willing to give that away for what? For who? For fellow Jews. When I feel far eagle and not even for the best, nicest Jews, but the fringe Jews. People engaged with the Egel Azar. This is something way beyond the principle of loving somebody else like you love yourself. Because the Kamoicha for Moshe is Dachtera. If Moshe was just living in the world of after the Kamoicha, love your fellow like yourself. Who is Moshe? Moshe is all about Torah. His entire reality is Torah. He would, he would bleed Torah. Moshe is willing to give away the kamoicha, what is valuable to him, what is the core of his being, just to be connected with and one with the Yidden. Including those Yidden who are completely disassociated from Torah. There's the lesson. Remember, Moshe Rabbeinu doesn't live as an individual. He is our shepherd. He is the one who instills within us, like the shepherd feeds the flock. He instills within us the values that we're supposed to carry. So therefore, he wanted to He empowered every single one of us. Whenever, wherever, as also that we could behave in the way that Moshe did too. And this is what Moshe argues. If it's impossible to find a way to carry the weight and to remove the stigma of their sin, of and therefore the Ebishter who says to Moshe, I'll remove those who have sinned out of my book. I'm not taking you out of the book. And Moshe Rabbeinu's concern is they'll be removed from the Torah. Those Yidin will be severed from their connection. And I'll still be in that book and I'll still, so to speak, have that connection. Then as Rashi says, Moshe says, the people will turn and they'll say, you couldn't help them. That means to say, people will say, Moshe wasn't ready and willing to have that level of self-sacrifice for the Yidden to remove himself from the Ebishter's book. It's not like we originally thought that Rashi was saying that Moshe is concerned for his reputation. Moshe is concerned that we'd get the wrong idea about how much a person is supposed to do for a fellow Jew, how far you're supposed to go for a fellow Jew. And therefore, that leaves us with a very direct lesson in our lives. It's actually not sufficient just to love our fellow Jews, even though that's an amazing thing. 
And so it's not even good enough for us to love every Jew. In and not to get too concerned with where they're holding in their spirituality. It's not even good enough to love them to the degree that we love ourselves. Moshe is teaching us that the expectation from us is that we need to be willing to sacrifice the things that mean the most to us for our fellow Jew. No matter who that Jew is. And the way that we express that love, obviously, is not just to tolerate everything that goes on, but to show them love that eventually will allow us to bring them closer to Torah, as Moshe did, that he was able to reconnect the Jewish people to, to Torah, and that way, and not just to save them materially, but to save them spiritually as well. And it's Hashem through that level of Avas Yisrael and Achtes Yisrael for, for every single year, we should be Zoycha to Moshiach now.